Producers of Radio Free Brooklyn and Staff or Management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all my blessed and highly favored people doing today? I hope that you all had a wonderful week. And before we get started with today's topic, I want to get my housekeeping and announcements out of the way. Radio Free Brooklyn is sponsored in part by Peters Valley School of Craft. Now, Peters Valley is having their annual craft fair, which will take place on September 24th and the 25th in the Sussex County, New Jersey Fairgrounds. And if you want more information, you can go to www.petersvalley.org. 
So, today, we're going to talk about the importance of sleeping, right? Because sleeping is a major part of our life. Sleep is so important that it actually controls our daily routine. It's important to our life as eating and drinking. Because without sleep, our brains shut down. And there are so many people walking around sleep deprived. And they don't even, well, I'm sure they probably do realize that they are, but they don't realize the effect that it's having on others around them and to themselves as well. Sleep makes it difficult for us to learn or create new memories. And without sleep, it's harder to concentrate and it slows down our reflexes. So a lot of times when you're driving and you see people swerving, it's not usually that, usually it's not that they're drunk. And everyone always thinks, oh, if they're swerving, oh, they're drunk. Nowadays, if they're swerving or they're sitting at a light and they don't notice that the light turned green, nine times out of ten, it's because they're sleeping or because they're sleepy when they're swerving, can't stay in their lane, and when it just takes them so long to react. Besides the texting, we know texting stops everyone from paying attention to the lights. But Sometimes they're actually sleeping at the light. I remember one time I, I drove up next to a guy and the light had turned green. And, you know, I was going to wait for him to, to go. But then when he didn't go, I happened to, you know, look to the side. He was actually sleeping in his car. He was sleeping, right? Just sleeping there. And I get, you know, the poor man was tired. But when you're tired like that, you need to move over on the side of the road and just sleep and then go wherever you're going. And the fact that there's little known scientifically about why the body needs sleep. What we do know is that there are parts of the body that are affected by our sleeping habits or the lack thereof. It affects our heart. It affects our brains it affects our lungs. It even affects our mood. Our mood is affected whether we have enough sleep or not. And you'll notice some people that are cranky. Isn't they're cranky not because they just have a bad disposition. It could be that they're cranky because they just never get enough sleep. They just never can get enough sleep. And it could be because they can't sleep at night. They might have insomnia. It could be a number of things. They might have sleep apnea where they think they're sleeping, but they're really not sleeping. And studies have shown that lack of sleep can increase high blood pressure, cause diabetes, it causes depression, and it causes weight gain. Now, how many of you that's trying to lose weight don't get enough sleep. I mean, just think about it. And although here in America, we're always complaining that we don't get enough sleep, the actual culture that gets the least amount of sleep in the world is the Japanese. They, on average, 
only get seven hours and 12 minutes a night. I don't know how they narrowed it down to that number, but they narrowed it down to that number, seven hours and 12 minutes per night that they get to sleep. But we've seen in our culture also with social media how that keeps people up at night. And have you heard that for this, I don't know if it was this school year, they talked, well, this school year they started talking about it, that they wanted to start, start the school day later in the, I mean, the time, start the time of school that children are supposed to be in the classroom later to allow children to get more sleep because they found that it makes them function better in the classroom. Now, when I heard that, I guess I started scratching my head because I was like, how many years have all of us that have gone through school had our parents tell us that we need to go to bed so that we can function properly in order to be able to maintain, you know, proper grades, good grades, to stay alert in the classroom. And the teachers have told us this as well. If you had a test the next day, the first thing they would say out of the class before you left, make sure you get enough sleep, make sure you eat a good breakfast, all those things they would say to us. And now I know some of you right now, it's running through your mind. Well, not every family gets a chance to have a good sleep or not every child gets to eat a good breakfast. I get that. I get that. We're not talking about those cases where somebody's lacking something. But even with those that are lacking something, they serve breakfast in school for the children. That's why they started serving breakfasts in the school for the children because they knew a lot of the children were not getting the proper nutrition at home. But in order to get the breakfast in the school, you would have to get up early enough to make it to the school because I know they only serve it between certain hours. So that would also still mean going to bed earlier at night. But as we know, there are some families that, continue to turn up all night, even though they have children that have to go to school the next day. There's always certain circumstances in the home that prevents the child from getting the proper amount of sleep. I'm aware of that. And, and let's just not even keep it on that because not, let's not keep looking at the families where things are dysfunctional. That's why the child is not. No, because there's a lot of families that are, I guess, I guess for lack of a better term, saying yes, practicing good habits, but they don't practice it when it comes to disciplining their child with that phone at night so that that child could get the proper amount of sleep. So if they don't take the phones away, if they don't take the computers away at night, that child is in that room still up on that social media or playing that video game, or doing whatever it is that they want to do in their room, even though you think you're putting them to bed or telling them to go to bed at a certain hour and do the right thing. So it's not just the children who come from dysfunctional homes that are getting lack of sleep, why they have to change this time pattern. And I don't even think when they did it, they were even thinking about that. I think they were more so thinking about the kids that were up all night on social media. 
In any event, they're thinking about putting in this proposal to let the school day start later. I guess they're proposing, I don't know. I don't know how much later could it start. I don't even know what time it starts now. It's been so many years since I've had children in school. So I don't know what time it starts now, but they are thinking about having it start later because of this whole lack of sleep. And even though doctors haven't designated a specific amount of time that we need to sleep, they have guidelines that we should follow. And they say that young children and teens should get at least 10 to 12 hours of sleep. 10 to 12 hours of sleep. So if they have to get up at 7, are they going to bed at 7? We know they're not going to bed at 7. We don't know any child that goes to bed at 7. Maybe a baby, or if you really have your child disciplined, the probably 8, I would say 8 o'clock you could get that child into bed. Seven o'clock? I don't think any kids are going to bed by seven o'clock. I don't even know if they have any kids going to bed by nine o'clock. Seriously, especially a teenager. Nine o'clock? In today's world? I don't think so. You have teens that are outside 11 o'clock at night. So they can't possibly be in bed by 10 if they're outside at 12 and 11. I don't know. But that's on average. And for adults, They say that we should receive between seven and nine hours of sleep. Now, I have been trying to put myself on a schedule, and I'm going to talk about that, the different ways that you can try to navigate to make sure that you get the proper amount of rest. That's going to be later on. But seven to nine hours of sleep for an adult, the average adult. So if you have to wake up at, say, 7, are you in bed by, like, 9? Or maybe mm, 8? Maybe 11. 11, the, the latest. Maybe. Some people are in bed later than that. But you have to get at least 7 to 9 hours to be able to function. Not even get... For you to be able to function at your best in your job or whatever it is that you're doing, but also so that your body can rejuvenate. That's what the purpose of sleep is about. But they're also saying, let me go back because I I forgot this age group. People over 60 tend to receive the least amount of hours of sleep during the night. And that's because... That's largely in part due to the fact that they're taking medications and certain medications will keep you up at night and because they might be taking naps during the day. So if you're taking a nap during the day, depending on what time and how long you take a nap, it can mess up your sleep pattern at night. So although they... they, Scientists can't, like I said, pinpoint the number of hours an individual should get for sleeping. They do all agree that sleep is essential for cell replenishment and that the body restores itself when you're in a sleeping state. So if you've stressed your body, think about it. We put our bodies through so much during the course of the day that we don't even realize We don't think about the things and the pressures that we put on our bodies. We just 
go along living life just doing whatever it is we have to do during our routine, our daily routine. But we do put a lot of stress on our body. And the only way that we know when we're actually putting too much stress on our body is when a part of it starts to ache. Like if you're walking too much and you don't have on the proper shoes, your feet will hurt. Then you'll be like, oh, I think I've been walking too much. Or, oh, I need to change these shoes. Or, oh, I need to have more comfortable shoes. That's when you think about your feet. But, or if you've been walking up a lot of steps and your knees aren't in the best shape, or if you're, if you yourself physically aren't in the best shape, you'll notice that if you start walking too fast, you'll get short-winded, your knees will hurt, other parts of your body will hurt. Like I said, especially stairs. Stairs is the, stairs are, to me, the first indicator that your body needs something done with it. Because when you have to walk up light, two flights of stairs, especially the train stairs, any train sta- stairs, any train station, any stairs. That right there is an indicator. If by the time you get to the top of those stairs, you have to stop and take a breath, you're not in shape. Your body's not in shape. And it could be largely due to the fact, besides the fact that you're overweight, but we all know, like I just said, being overweight comes from lack of sleep as well. So it's not just a thing of you're overweight, oh, it's your 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 eating habit or it's the, the intake of the food. It's a combination of a lot of things. So when people say, oh, I want to lose weight, and they change their diet, they cut out carbs, they cut out sugar, they won't do dairy, they won't do red meat. You know, you change all these different things, but yet you're still up all hours of the night watching Netflix or social media and you're only getting maybe four to five hours where you really need nine, that's not going to help. That's not going to help. You're going to the gym, you're working out, you change your eating habits, but yet you're still like, I can't seem to lose this weight. Sleep has a lot to do with it. It's a number of factors that go into play when it comes to taking care of our bodies and the way that our bodies react when we don't take care of it. So getting back to the sleep part, like I was saying, we put our bodies through so much during the course of today, of the day, and it's imperative that we allow our bodies to regenerate what it's lost. So at night when you're sleeping and you're in that rest period, they always emphasize the dream state. Oh, you need you need to go into a dream state to get the proper amount of sleep. And they have these different stages of sleeping. And what happens when you're in those different stages. But if you're just lying. If you're just lying there and your body is at rest. And the cells can actually do what it needs to do then that helps you rejuvenate. It helps your brain cells. It helps everything else, the lungs, your feet, your arms, your legs, whatever. It helps it because it's not on the go, on the go, on the go. It's actually at rest where it can do what it needs to do to get itself back together. Your cells can regenerate themselves. So 
when we think about getting enough sleep and how much it plays, the major factor that it plays on having good health, here are some tips to improve how well we sleep at night. We have to start with a specific time that we go to bed every night. And that's what I was about to say. I've started placing myself on a, I try to get in bed between, I'd say nine is too early. I used to try nine. It wasn't working. But at least by 10 o'clock, by 10 o'clock, I'm in that rest stage. Whatever I was doing, I stopped. I stop completely. Not that when I jump into bed at 10 o'clock, I'm ready to just knock out. Although some nights I are, I am. So those are the days when I know I'm just really exhausted. And that's bad because you should never be really exhausted to be like, to say, oh, I got to go to bed. I need to go to sleep. That's bad. That means you've run your body to the point where it's, you couldn't keep your eyes open if you wanted to. And I really don't like when I get to that point because that means I have, I've overdone it. So what I've tried to do now, and I've been doing this for a couple of months, and I must say it's working because my body is like what we talked about habits. When you do something long enough, you become accustomed to doing it, and then that becomes part of your everyday routine. So I now have it where I'm upstairs in my room by 10, even if I'm not in the bed but I'm in the room. So I'm starting to create that atmosphere for myself that, okay, it's time you're going to start to get ready to allow yourself to relax and go down for the night. My latest now that I stay up is 11. Like by 11 o'clock, all the lights are out and I'm in the bed. And usually by, I'd say 10 minutes later, I'm out like a light. And now that's so different. I had, and the reason why I had to train my body to do that is because with the way I write, I would always write late at night because that's when it's the most still. That's when it's the most quiet. So I would be up to three o'clock in the morning writing. And I wasn't sleeping during those hours. But now since I've changed my routine and now since I'm doing other things during the day, you know, I'm advising young students in schools and things of that nature. I now have to make sure that I'm awake during the day. So I've started to get myself into a routine so that now I'm sleeping at night when I'm supposed to be and I'm up during the day doing what I need to do. So you try to set a specific time that you go to bed every night. And this, like the study says, it allows your body to adjust to knowing when it should begin to shut down and relax. If you exercise 20 to 30 minutes a day, but only a few hours before going to bed, like you don't do a full workout before you go to bed because then that's going to get you pumped and it's going to keep you up. It's going to keep you active because your body is all revved up at that point. But they say if you exercise 20 to 30 minutes per day, that helps you at night calm down and relax. Avoid caffeine nicotine, and alcohol late in the day, especially before going to bed. So even if you have that cup of tea, it should be a, an herbal tea or definitely a decaf tea, but it should be some type of herbal tea. And I used to drink tea before I went to bed, 
But I don't like herbal tea before I go to bed because I like black tea and black tea always has caffeine in it. So I've I weaned myself off having the tea before I went to bed or even late at night because I used to like to have a cup of tea late at night, especially in the wintertime. I like to have tea late at night, but I've weaned myself off of that. And I now try to have it earlier in the day because I will notice that the later I have coffee or tea in the day, it does affect whether I could sleep at night. And I never really paid any attention to that because I was always up at night anyway. So it didn't bother me that I was up at night because I wanted to be up at night. I used to write. But now that I'm trying to sleep, I've noticed that if I have a cup of tea or coffee, say about three or four o'clock, I'm not going to sleep by 11 o'clock. That's out. So I cut that part out with my caffeine intake. Alcohol, of course, you know. They say you shouldn't have alcohol late, but I've always noticed when I drank alcohol late, it put me to sleep. But they say you shouldn't do it. So I don't know. I remember having girls night out and we would have martinis and I never had a problem going home, going to sleep, but that was then. I haven't tried it lately because I haven't had any girls nights out, but um, I don't, I don't know. When they said alcohol, I kind of chuckled to that because I was like, I don't remember ever having alcohol keep me up at night. I always remember coming home, like I said, after hanging out after work, this is years ago when we used to hang out after work and I always was able to just go home, hop in the shower and get in the bed and sleep like a log. But they say, don't do it. They also say taking a warm shower or a bath and reading, listening to relaxing music that sets the mood for you to, you know, sleep and calm down. And you should create your room. Your room should have an atmosphere for sleep. Like you shouldn't have a TV in your room. You shouldn't have computers. You shouldn't have phones, all that stuff. But when you think about it, and when you're trying to go to sleep, they say don't lie in the bed awake at night and to think that you're going to go to sleep faster because it doesn't work. But I I laughed at that part too because I was like, I remember when we were younger, our parents would always just say go to bed. And you'd be like, well, I'm not tired. They'd say later anyway, you'll fall asleep eventually. But they're saying right here that that doesn't work. Maybe you That's why they started incorporating having bedtime stories for children, reading to them so that they can relax and go to sleep. Because just lying in the bed, that's not putting anybody to sleep. But if you find you have a problem sleeping or if you feel tired during the day, you should consult your physician because most sleep disorders are treatable. But I want to show you how in the scriptures, even in the scriptures, it shows us how important sleep was. When we think about Jesus. Even he understood the importance of getting proper rest. And I'm taking this from the scriptures, Mark 4, 37 to 39. And here we see that Jesus went to sleep in the midst of a storm. Okay. Mark 4, 37 to 39. And the great windstorm arose and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. 
Now, most people talk about that because they talk about how the disciples didn't, the disciples didn't believe or trust that they were going to be okay. And Jesus was in the boat with them. And, but yes, that's all true. But I also look at this to say he was tired. Jesus was asleep. And when you think about sleep, like we were talking about, when you're tired to the point where you can't even keep your eyes open anymore, you just fall out. Jesus had been teaching masses of people all day. He was tired because when you think about it, although he was God, he was also a man. So his body got tired just like our body gets tired of working all day. And from that passage, we see that Jesus was able to sleep through the storm. He was asleep on a pillow. So that means he purposefully set himself up so that he could go down for the count. He was like, oh, I'm getting this pillow ready. I'm going to be up in this part of the boat. They're at the other end of the boat and I'm going to sleep. Right. And he was sleeping through the whole storm. Now, how many of us have been so tired that somebody will say, oh, did you hear that thunder and lightning that happened? That, you know, last night we really had some heavy rains. And sometimes you're like, it rained last night? I, I didn't hear a thing. It's possible that you can sleep so hard or just be that tired that you don't hear anything going on around you. This is what I get from that passage. Jesus was at peace because he knew that he could calm the storm if he needed to. He knew that, but he was like, all right, it's just a storm. I'm going to sleep. And they, being around him as much as they were, should have known that nothing was going to happen to them. If he's there, how could something happen to you? If he's there with you and nothing ever happens to him and he controls everything from what you've seen thus far, how is something going to happen to you? But it also taught you that in the midst of your chaos and your troubling situation, God is able to put everything under control and you can still rest. We're able to rest like Jesus did. Because when we're worrying about whatever's going on around us and it keeps us from getting the proper amount of rest because we want to panic because we don't know how things are going to turn out or how things are going to overtake us. All we have to do is know that we can sleep and rest in knowing that God is in control of it all. And although it seems like he's not paying attention to what's happening to us, he's aware of everything around us at all times. And when you call on him, because when they woke him, he spoke to the storm. So that's telling us now that in our storms where it's taking or depriving us of our sleep at night, speak to God about it and he can calm the situation for you. So with that, I think it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. in the storm I've got strength in the battle I 
don't fear anymore. I'm a child of heaven and my hope is secure. I've got joy because I've got Jesus. He gave me beauty for ashes, turned my life around. He broke my chains and now I dance on solid ground. For all he's done to save me, I will raise my voice. I've got Jesus, so I've got joy. He bore all of my birds, yeah, my debt has been paid. Then he said to my dry bones, rise up out of that grave. He has all of my worship, all the honor and praise. I've got joy cause I've got Jesus. He gave me beauty for ashes, turned my life around. He broke my chains and now I dance on solid ground. For all he's done to save me, I will raise my voice. I've got Jesus, so I've got joy like a river running through my soul. Joy all around me, everywhere I go. Even in the desert, still it overflows. Oh, I've got joy, yeah, I've got joy never ending. Cause it's on my name. Every breath I breathe, a testament of amazing grace. Oh, hallelujah, everything has changed. Oh, I've got joy, yeah, I've got joy. There's a song in my soul And I feel it stirring in me This I know for sure That your love is like a flood And your mercy never ending I give my song to you There's a joy in my soul Your grace is 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. Now, today's Op-Ed, being that this was the first week of school that just went through, children went back to school, and everything so far it seemed like has been themed about, now I'm getting it, it had to do with the school and kids and not just the kids, but everything that has to do with learning. September 18th to the 24th, this week, starting today, is Banned Books Week. Now, Banned Books Week is an annual event celebrating the freedom to read. And it's typically held during the last week of September. And it spotlights current and historical attempts to censor books in libraries and schools. Now, I used to always hear about books that are on the list to be banned, books that are on the list to be banned. I used to hear about this. Even when I was in school, I would hear about it. But I never really paid it any attention. This year's theme is Books Unite Us, Censorship Divides Us. So, there's been a surge on the banning of books in 2022, says the Library Association. And there's been a wave to block books and restrict the printing of them, according to the American Library Association, over the years. It's, it's increased. And they're saying that this year is unprecedented. They've seen the largest number of challenges and all kinds of challenges against books that people feel should not be in the library or just in general that people should not have access to read these types of books. And before, it used to just be parents saying, oh, you know, I think that book is just a little too you know, it's too violent or it has too many sexual, you know, too much sexual content in it for my child to read. Now, the ALA is stating that it's been groups like campaigns, it's organizations that are forming to come up against the ALA with these books. They compile these a list of books and they present it and they, they're, they're like taking, trying to take it to the courts to get these books banned. So no one will be able to ever read these books. And now mind you, they're saying that a lot of these organizations, they're doing this and they haven't read the books themselves. So in the first eight months, there were 681 books that were challenged that should not be read. In 20, this was in 2020. In 2021, there was 729. And it was, that was directed at 1,500 books. This year, they didn't give the exact number, but they said it's almost doubled. It's almost like to 1,000 challenges that have been launched on like over some 2,000 books. So this Sunday, today, throughout the rest of the week, Around the country, people are going to be promoting with tables, with displays, with posters, stickers, saying how essential it is that people are able to read 
whatever it is that they want to read. And that most of the books that are targeted are those that contain speech about queer, gay, or transgender, and anything speaking about racism, especially towards people of color. Those are the books that they're banning. Anything that has something to do with racism, anything that has something to do with any type of sexual orientation. And now the Banned Books Week is going to be overseen by a coalition of writers and free speech organizations so that they can keep books on the shelves and keep books where people have access to knowledge. So they're saying that there's an increase in conservative attacks against schools and librarians nationwide over the past two years that librarians now have been harassed, have been harassed so much that they're quitting their jobs. They're being labeled as criminals and pedophiles because they, now mind you, the librarians don't put the, they stock the books on the shelves, but they don't say what books get to be in the library. But these people are coming after the librarian saying that they're criminals and they're pedophiles and they're, because they're promoting free, you know, freedom to read and the people at the, the libraries are being harassed and people are yelling at them. It's almost like the way the pro-lifers used to act outside of abortion clinics and how the Peter people, PETA, P-E-T-A, people used to act towards people when they saw them wearing fur coats. You get this group that want to polarize everyone to totally be against everything instead of sitting down and discussing what the issue is. They want to go out and physically cause harm to others that are really not even in control of what's going on. And they've some, this librarian says that people have been showing up to the library armed with guns and rifles because of the books that are on the shelf. This is they're promoting the importance of banned book week because it's trying to promote an agenda that is saying that no one should be able to read anything. Now, it's not that it's not just here in America. There's other countries that ban books as well. But my. My thoughts on my thought about the banning of the books is this. Yes, there are some books that are written out there that are very violent, that are very contrary to what you may believe. But don't read those books. If you yourself feels like that book talks about stuff that I don't want to read, then don't read it. But in censoring the books, when you censor the books, you're not changing the situation. If you think that by censor, cens, censoring, why can't I say that word? Censoring a book, censoring. If you think by censoring a book that racism is going to automatically disappear just because it's not written, it's not written on the pages of a book, or that you know, if we don't write about it, it doesn't exist. You're wrong. If you think that. Because someone who's 
LGBTQ doesn't write a book that this is going to stop them from falling under one of those categories, you're wrong. And I'm not condoning any of I'm not condoning racism. I'm not condoning LGBTQ. I'm not condoning anything. What I am condoning is until we come together and speak to one another, communicate about what is happening, what is what affects others, even though even though it may not affect you, you can't just keep dismissing it like as if it doesn't exist. Nothing is going to go away when you constantly close your eyes and act as though it's not there. And that's where the problem comes in. No one wants to recognize that, yeah, this is an issue that we have to come to some type of common ground to coexist peacefully. And until we do that, you're always going to have books being banned. You're always going to you're always going to have people writing about their story. Everybody has a story. People are going to write about it. But you're also going to have people that's like, "Shut up! I don't want to hear your story. That's your story. Keep it to yourself." So, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? That's the question. That ends op ed. I see my time is growing short, so we're going to have our word of the month, which is study. <laughs> So befit. I told you when God first gave me this word study, I was sitting there like, why don't study? That's such a simple word. Why do we have the word? Why do we have the word study this month? God, everything that he's been showing me, everything that's been happening has everything to do with knowledge and knowing when you know the truth, you can do better. That's why he wants us to study, study his word, study what's happening. Even just around, if you study and know and get knowledge of to understand, get truth, then you won't have so many disagreements. That's why we need to study. And our, our, what is it called? (laughs) Our scripture for the week is, oh my gosh, I just drew a blank just that quick. Coming from Psalm 119.2. And I'm going to take it from the Amplified today because I like the way they break it down. First, I'll read it to you in the New King James. Psalm 119.2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Now, the Amplified says, blessed and favored by God are, are those who keep his testimonies, and who consistently seek him and long for him with all their heart. So that's our promise. That's our promise for this week. Psalm 119.2 from the Amplified Version. And I'd like all of you to continue to have a blessed week. Start your week out well. Prepare yourself. Start to get yourself in the habit of maybe going to bed a little earlier. You'll notice the difference when you have the proper sleep. You'll notice how much better you'll feel. It makes your mood lighter. It makes you, you're able to deal with whatever life throws at you because your body is ready to deal with it. So try to get that sleep. Protect yourself. COVID is still out there. Flu season starting up. 
everything is still out there. Just everything is just everywhere. So whatever you have to do to just keep yourself healthy and safe, do so. And I say until God blesses us and brings us together again next week, have a blessed day today. The weather's going to be nice. But yeah, before I go, I want to say this is going to be like in New York, I guess in the East Coast, we're going to have our last maybe Indian summer, I think, Indian summer. No, it's our last week of summer. That's what it is. No Indian summer yet. It's our last week of summer. This week, the weather is supposed to be beautiful. Fall starts, I think, Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, Thursday or Saturday, one of those days. Next Sunday, I'll tell you what day it started because I would know by then. But enjoy the last week that we have before officially on the calendar it turns to fall. And just be safe and enjoy your day. Bye.